chapter 13, 1 to 16. Ezekiel 13, 1 to 16. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who are now prophesying. Say to those who prophesy out of their own imagination, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Your prophets, O Israel, are like jackals among ruins. You have not gone up to the breaks in the wall to repair it for the house of Israel, so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. Their visions are false and their divinations are lie. They say, the Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them, yet they expect their words to be fulfilled. Have you not seen false visions and uttered lying divinations when you say, the Lord declares, though I have not spoken? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because of your false words and lying visions, I am against you, declares the sovereign Lord. My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will not belong to the council of my people or be listed in the records of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. Because they lead my people astray, saying peace when there is no peace, and because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Therefore, tell those who cover it with whitewash that it is going to fall. Rain will come in torrents, and I will send hailstones hurtling down, and violent winds will burst forth. When the wall collapses, will, will people not ask you, where is the whitewash you covered it with? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. In my wrath, I will unleash a violent wind, and in my anger, hailstones and torrents of rain will fall with destructive fury. I will tear down the wall that you have covered with whitewash, and will level, level it to the ground so that the foundation will be laid bare. When it falls, you will be destroyed in it, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I will spend my wrath against the wall and against those who covered it with whitewash. I will say to you, the wall is gone, and so are those who whitewashed it, those prophets of Israel who prophesied to Jerusalem and saw visions of peace for her when there was no peace, declares the Sovereign Lord. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thanks for your word, and we just do pray now that you'd help us to focus and that you would be uh, changing and developing our thinking in accordance with your word, and you'd be changing our hearts that we would live in accordance with uh, your name. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so what, what do you think makes a name a good name? I think that Peter is a pretty good name, actually. Uh, not, not just because it's easy to spell. I mean, it is very easy to spell. It's, uh, it's also a name that uh, if you call a kid Peter, he's probably not going to grow up having to have problems because of his name. Uh, it's, it's a biblical name. Uh, it means rock. So it's, that's a pretty good name, isn't it, to be called rock? It's got lots of meaning in that. And uh, I understand that uh, Peter, the name Peter, actually tops the list in terms of uh, the most popular name in our congregation. <laughs> so it's fair game to pick on it, actually. <laughs> and uh, when I talk about the name Peter, you'll, you'll know that I'm not talking about any particular Peter, or you can just add whatever Peter you think fits 
in terms of what I'm saying. Peter is a good name. But if I say Peter has a good name, then I'm saying something slightly different, aren't I? I'm not just talking about that uh, collection of five letters, P-E-T-E-R. Uh, if we think of a name, we can, think, we can think of a name as being like a bucket. And uh, when I talk about the name, say that Peter has a good name, I'm saying, I'm talking about those things which fill the bucket, those things which make Peter who he is. Uh, if I say that Peter has a good name, it means that his life and his actions are impressive, uh, that he has a good character. But more than that, I'm saying that other people know about his good character. He is known throughout the town for his good cat. Peter has a good name in town. And that's really important, isn't it? It's, it's actually very valuable. Uh, in fact, the book of Proverbs says that a good name is, is more desirable than riches, that it's, it's better to have a good name than it is to have a fat bank account. A good name is more precious than silver and gold. Now, of course, the opposite is also true, isn't it? And uh, so just <coughs> so that the various Peters in our congregation do not develop a swelled head, uh, if I say that Peter has a bad name, I'm not saying that I don't like the name Peter. I'm saying that, uh, well, he's, he's known for being dishonest and unfaithful. He can't be trusted. He's got a bad name. See, a person's name is like the, the bucket uh, which is filled with their character. Uh, to talk about someone's name, it's, it's shorthand for talking about their reputation. Now, the Bible talks about God in this way, right throughout the Bible. Uh, when we read through the book of Psalms, we're constantly being told that God's name is to be praised. Uh, it's talking about who he is, about, what he's, about his character. Uh, and we've seen this, haven't we, in the book of Exodus. Uh, the name of God has featured large uh, throughout the book of Exodus, which we're looking at in this present series of sermons. Remember in Exodus chapter 3, again, it was Moses was uh, at the burning bush and uh, he said, well, if you want me to go to Egypt, and the people say, who, is, you know, who shall I say has sent me? And uh, the Lord revealed his name as Yahweh, Y-H-W-H, -H, Yahweh. And in doing that, what God was in effect saying, by saying, I am who I am, I am Yahweh, what God was in effect saying was that from now on, that his name should be filled with the content, with the knowledge of what he was about to do in the Exodus and what that revealed about his character. And, of course, we saw that a few chapters on from Exodus chapter 3 when we got to Exodus chapter 9. And by this stage, uh, God and Pharaoh are locked in combat, as it were, and, 
the plagues against Egypt were in full swing and God gave uh, through Moses a message to Pharaoh and this is what the message was. He said to Pharaoh, I have raised you up for this purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Uh, why did God put Pharaoh in that position? Why was God doing these things? It was to demonstrate his power so that his name would be known throughout the world. That is, the events of the Exodus poured content into the name of God and he would become known. So that when people said, well, who is Yahweh? People would know. They would say, well, Yahweh, well, well he's God. Uh, he, he, he is God who is, who is full of mercy and, and by, who by his almighty power he rescued his people out of Egypt. Uh, he is the God who was, in doing so, faithful to his promises that he made to Abraham so that the name Yahweh would be the bucket filled with all of who he is. Almighty, merciful, faithful, loving, personal, and so much more. Now, <clears throat> uh, this is really important when we come to the Ten Commandments, which we're doing presently. Because the third commandment is all about God's name. Now, on your sermon outlines, everyone get a sermon outline when you came in today? Uh, look, on your sermon outlines, I've actually retyped for you the third commandment there on the, on the inside, down the bottom, in the black, with the black background. And I've done so from the English Standard Version, uh, rather than from the NIV, because in this particular case, the, the English Standard Version, it's just a tad uh, more uh, literal. It's a, just a little bit closer to the original than the NIV, and I think helpfully so. And so uh, this is from the English Standard Version. Let me read to you the third commandment. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord, that is Yahweh, your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now there are two words or phrases which I think uh, need to be explored uh, in that commandment. And firstly, uh, the, uh, I want to ask the question, what does it mean to take? Uh, what does it mean to take the name of the Lord? Uh, to take means to lift, uh, to bear, to bear, to, to carry God's name. Uh, that's the first thing. To take the name of the Lord means to bear his name, to carry his name. Secondly, what does the phrase in vain mean? Well, when you... When you think of vanity, what, what do you think of? It's an interesting thought to think, what is, what, what is vanity? How about this? How about empty of substance? That's one definition. 
Uh, when we describe someone, a person, as being vain, what do we mean? Well, they're all show, aren't they? Uh, they're all doled up. Uh, they feature on their outward appearance, but like a nicely decorated bucket which is empty, uh, inside they're a little bit empty of good character. Uh, it's vanity. They're vain. So what does it mean to take the name of the Lord your God in vain? Now, we often think of this in terms of people using God's name as a swear word, don't we? As an expletive. Uh, an expletive is a, um, is a word which, which can be used in two ways. Um, uh, first of all, an expletive uh, can be a word which we use in order to express very strong negative feelings. Uh, secondly, it's a word which we can use uh, in order to fill in blanks in a sentence without actually adding any meaning to the sentence. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? A lot of the time, people use expletives in, the, in both ways at the same time. So we, we fill in blanks in the sentence with a word that doesn't have any meaning except that it's just an outpouring of our negative feelings, our negative emotions. Now, in our culture, it's, it is very common for, for people to use terms which relate to God as expletives. People say simply, oh God, or Jesus, or Jesus Christ, or Christ, or oh my God, or oh my God, or OMG, and so on, for exactly these expletive kinds of reasons. Now, not only do they use these words in a way which is empty of meaning, but even worse, they actually fill these words with very negative meaning. Now, uh, I don't know how you feel that. I think as Christians we can sometimes find it quite jarring when people around us use the name of God in vain, uh, empty of meaning, meaninglessly, uh, like that. Uh, is that your experience? Yeah, okay. So it jars us, doesn't it? Uh, now, I've got a couple of thoughts on this uh, which uh, might be helpful for you to think about. First of all, can I encourage all of us to examine our own vocabulary and, if necessary, to, to, to delete those kind of ex any expletives, you know, negative expletives, but especially expletives that relate to the name of God from our own vocabulary? I, you, know, you you think I wouldn't have to say this, but over the years, over the last 10 years or so, I, I have noticed an increasing acceptance of these expletives by Christians and a use of these expletives by Christians. Um, the habitual use of, oh my God, in everyday speech by Christians. I think it's vain. I think it's not, it's using God's name in a way which is actually quite empty, empty of meaning. 
not necessary, not helpful. The other thought, though, is that when non-Christians use God's name in vain around us, how do we respond to that? I just want to suggest to <clears throat> think about being creative uh, and perhaps a little bit cheeky uh, in a, uh, to, to, to where possible to use the situation to, to just sort of start a little bit of a gospel element to the conversation. So someone says, oh my God. And you say, really? How about that? He's my God as well. <laughs> uh, when did you become a Christian? <laughs> Well, you know, just be a little bit cheeky and, and, and see where God takes that conversation, see where it leads. Now, having raised this issue, which is something which our culture throws at us so often, I want to say this, that I don't actually, I don't actually think that in the context this is the primary meaning of the commandment. I think that it is an outworking of the commandment, a very practical outworking of the third commandment. But the third commandment actually goes a, a fair bit deeper than this. You see, a self-righteous person uh, in the church, a religious self-righteous person might say, well, I have never ever in my life used the name of the Lord in vain. <laughs> I've never used the name of the Lord as an expletive. And so I'm all right. I have perfectly obeyed the third commandment. Really? Well, how about we think about how Moses would have interpreted the third commandment and how the Israelites would have interpreted the third commandment? Because that actually gets a little bit more difficult to obey. So how about we do that now? Now, remember that in vain means empty of substance. And in the Old Testament, the, the word which is used, the Hebrew word, uh, is also used to mean false. Uh, a few chapters later on in Exodus chapter 23... Uh, the very same word is used to refer to someone making a false report against another person. That is a report, a negative report, which does not have substance. A negative report which is unsubstantiated, an empty report to be used against another person. Now, uh, earlier on, Alyssa read to us from Ezekiel chapter 13, and you might want to have that open up in your Bibles on page 593, if you care to flip that, flip that open. And here we see something of this uh, using the Lord's name in vain in such a way that was empty or false. Uh, in the context, there were people in Israel who claimed to be prophets. They claimed to represent the Lord. They claimed to speak in the name of the Lord. But it was an empty claim because instead they were speaking from their own imaginations. Now let's have a look at uh, verses 6 and 7. In verse 6, 
Uh, this is what God says about them through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, Their visions are false and their div divinations a lie. They say, the Lord declares, Yahweh declares, when the Lord has not sent them. Yet they expect their words to be fulfilled. Have you not seen false visions and uttered lying divinations when you say the Lord declares, though I have not spoken? How are they using the Lord's name? <clears throat> when someone says, the Lord has told me, then what they are doing is that they are adding his name to their words. They are adding great authority to their words. So, for example, the, uh, the church leader who says, well, I've really, really been praying about this and, uh, and the Lord has spoken to me and the Lord has told me that he wants our church to head in this direction <laughs> as opposed to that direction. And by implication, everyone else must follow. <laughs> I've been in meetings like that. I've been in a meeting where a person has said pretty much that, and I know how I felt. <coughs> I felt like, wow, if the Lord has said this to him, then who am I to have a different opinion and to actually express it? <laughs> Going against the Lord's will. And what I should have said was, well, brother, <coughs> if it is the Lord's will, let's, let's look at what the scriptures say about this. And then how about we prayerfully make the decision together? You get the idea, the person who says, who claims the name of the Lord to their own words may actually be taking the name of the Lord in vain. They may actually be attaching God's name to their own views and doing so without any substance, without any justification. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 13, those who claimed to speak in the name of the Lord, they were saying that everything was okay in Israel. They were saying that everything's going along swimmingly. Everything is fine. There's, just keep living the way you're living. There's no need to change. There's no need to repent. Everything's fine. When in fact the judgment of God was just around the corner. Peace, peace, they say. And God says, actually, there is no peace. They attach God's name to their own opinions. And in so doing, they associate God with falsehood, which damages both his name and also the well-being of those who follow. Now, in a family... The name of the parents is affected by the behaviour of their children. Is that right? Uh, <coughs> you've, you've noticed it. I've noticed it. I've noticed it when older people uh, get to know younger people and they get to know how those younger people are behaving and they say things like this. They say, those children, those teenagers are an absolute credit to their parents, an absolute credit to their parents. Right? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Right? 
They, by their character, they bring honour to their parents. Sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes people look at the behaviour and they say, well, hmm, makes you wonder about the parents, doesn't it? <laughs> sometimes those evaluations are correct. Sometimes they are absolutely wrong because there are some children who grow up with good character despite their parents. And there are some parents who do a fantastic job with their kids, but their kids are just a bit harder than other people's kids. You've got to be careful not to make judgments, don't we? But the, you get the point, don't you? you get the, the issue here is that the behaviour of the children impacts upon the reputation of the parents. Now, friends, in Exodus chapter 19, just before the Ten Commandments, on Mount Sinai, when God spoke to Moses, God attached his name to those particular people. God attached his name to the people of Israel. Remember what he said? He said, out of all of, he said, all of the world is mine, but out of all of the nations, he said, you will be my treasured people. You will be my people. I'm giving you my name. They would now bear his name. And so Israel had a choice. They could live in a way which reflected his character, which reflected his gracious salvation and reflected his holiness and his righteousness and as they would do that, as they would live in a way that reflected the name which they bore, then they would enhance his reputation. That other people, other nations would see Israel and see how they were qualitatively different and better than those around and they would bring praise to the name of the God whom they served. They would be a light to the Gentiles. Now, is that how it worked out with Israel? Not really. If you, uh, in Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, speaking to Jews and quoting the Old Testament, quoting Psalm 62, uh, the Apostle Paul says to these Jews, he says, God's name is being praised in the nations because of you. Is that what he said? No. He says God's name is being blasphemed in the nations because of you. In other words, the way that you have lived your life, your character has been seen by the nations and they're actually saying, well, I don't think much of their God. God's name was blasphemed because of them. Which in, for Paul in Romans leads then on to an explanation of the new agreement, the new covenant, the new exodus, the one which has been established through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for our sin. Now, brothers and sisters, if we are Christians, then whose name do we bear? 
We bear the name of Jesus, don't we? Uh, I mean, it's, it's inbuilt into the word Christian. <laughs> if we are Christians, we are saying that we are followers of the Christ. We bear his name. His name, which is, is the bucket which is filled with the content of who he is. It is filled with the content of salvation. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Uh, in Philippians chapter 2, by his resurrection, God has exalted him to the highest place and he has given him the name which is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. If we are Christians, we are bearers of his name. We take his name. Now, that's a bit abstract, so how about we put it into some concrete terms. You see, hopefully you see in this that to take the Lord's name in vain is actually a lot bigger than simply using the Lord's name as an expletive. It is that. It does include that. But the question is, how does your character, how does the way that you live your life, your words and your deeds, how does that affect the attitude that your non-Christian family and friends have towards Jesus, the one whose name you take? Are you taking his name in vain? We can do that, can't we? It, when, 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 when our character does not reflect his character, then we might as well not take his name. It's pointless. It, it lacks substance to do so. Worse than that, people can think poorly of Jesus because of, of us. But on the other hand, I think this is where we've got to be heading all the time. Do your words and actions give Jesus a good name? Uh, when people get to know you, uh, do they see in you a love which is an unusual kind of love? Do they see in you something of his holiness, of his graciousness, of his forgiveness... Do they see in us something which makes them think, well, actually I'm attracted to the God whom they serve. I'm attracted to the one whose name they bear. Now I guess we all fail at times, don't we? <clears throat> and so we don't want to be too discouraged by this. We want to be encouraged to be considering the nature, the character of God and of his son Jesus the one whose name we bear, and to reflect that so that his name is proclaimed in all the world and to him, to his name, is brought praise and honour and glory through us so that other people might actually say, hey, I'd like to become a Christian too. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your name. We thank you that uh, your name is 
filled with the content of perfection, of uh, righteousness, of justice, of mercy, of forgiveness, of love, of grace, of hope. Of we thank you, Father God, that uh, you have displayed that so much in the Exodus. We thank you that it finds its uh, great expression in uh, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the new Exodus through the blood that was shed on the cross. Father, may we be people who do not take your name in vain, <coughs> that your name is meaningful to us, that we are people who display your name, that our name would be a reflection of your name, that our reputation would be a reflection of your reputation, so that glory and honour and praise goes to you. Help us to repent of those areas where we need to repent and help us to press on with uh, <clears throat> displaying your character throughout our world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.